Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. This is Top Flight Tune Machine. I am Andy Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I am Sam Delaney. So what? It's the second part of... Uh, 18th of February, wasn't it? Tw- uh, 1987. I didn't get the yeah. pop lock to read it out again because we're, we're in a hurry. Nah. Um, he, he, <laughs> he, he'll only perform it once. We're in a hurry. He'll only say it once. You've got to pay extra for uh, a second reading and we haven't got that kind of money. Uh, yeah, it's 18th of February, 1987. Um, we looked at it a bit last week. We did mostly American trousers, but there's plenty more going on in this chart. Uh, number three in the chart, Down to Earth, Curious to Kill the Cat. Great song. Great song from a so band much. who burned so brightly, but was yeah. so for such a short time in our hearts yeah. and minds. They, I mean, down. Uh, I've got loads to say about Curious to Kill the Cat. But yeah, first of all, this is a really great song. Mm. Really great. And they really were nailed on in 1987 as the big bands of, of the mid-80s, early and mid-80s, like... Duran Duran and Spandau had sort of started to fade out a bit of the charts. They their own arseholes, basically. Yeah, they were the natural replacements in that they were a proper band. Yeah. They weren't... That It was that crossover you don't get so much anymore that Duran Duran and Spandau were, I guess, in the tradition of the Beatles, where it's like, you're a proper band. You mm. write your own songs and play instruments and know about music. But you are also all, like, pretty boys. Teen idols, who, yeah. You know, you can be marketed on the cover of Smash Hits to teenage yeah. girls too. And Curiosity Killed the Cat came out, and when this song, which I think did it go to number one? It was number three in this number chart. Number three, it got as high as number three. It, it, right, it was. Yeah, they were nailed on to be the next band, and they did have a few singles, not just this one, that were all decent. Yeah. And then I don't know what happened, but I think I've what's his name. I imagine. Yeah, I think I think that. <laughs> I mean, if you see what's his name, what's he called? Ben something. Ben something. Volpe uh, Piro, something yeah. like that. So he, I think I don't know I what went hits, on. I would smash it to rechristen him. I think it was Ben Volavant Parrot. <laughs> <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is why Smash Hits in the eighties probably the greatest, magazine, the greatest magazine of all time. Yeah, no doubt Just about it. Willfully stupid <laughs> at all times. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, they, they, anyway, they were a local band, right? 
in near not not so where I lived, but certainly where I went to school, mm. which was on the other side of the river in southwest London, they were kind of around, mm. right? And there was all sorts of people who kind of knew them. So my older brothers saw them in a lot of local pubs around the sort of Richmond area in the build-up to them suddenly hitting it big. So yeah. it was one of those moments where a band that you kind of knew, you'd know them, you know, because they'd play the pub and then they'd be having a beer. And people right. like, Then suddenly, bang, they're on top of the pops. Yeah. And people are like, fuck me. Those lads who we just know are on top of the pops mm-hmm. and they're on the cover of Smash Hits magazine and all the rest of it. Um, they were credible too because the music is... It's good, you know, it's, it's sort it of soulful soul pop, soulful soul blue sort of thing pop. Going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of in the same um, style a bit as Wet Wet Wet, but a bit more... A bit like London. that. I would say that, yeah, I preferred them, but yeah, not dissimilar. I would categorise them, I mean, I don't say this lightly because we've discussed before how we think he's the creator of arguably the greatest pop single of all time, but Roachford, you know. <laughs> Wasn't Roachford, Roachford after this, say, though? Roachford was after this. Well, well, he was certainly... Maybe he was inspired by Curiosity. So I don't know. But I was into Curiosity uh, they, to Kill the Cat before they got big, and I got a bit gutted yeah. when they did get big, because I was into the... Yeah. Misfit was the first single, and then it got Misfit, re-released. brilliant. Misfit's Better fucking great. Better than Mist and it was, Down to Earth, it, yeah. was, it was directed by Andy Warhol, the video for Misfit. Oh, my God. And I remember being on the tube, uh, and mm. they were saying, you know, Andy Warhol's directed this. And do you know why Andy Warhol directed the video? Probably because he fancied Ben he, Ben Volavant Parrot. He, he fancied the bass player. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, um, oh, hi. You do you hi. need a video? Do you, do you need a music video <laughs> for your music records? Maybe I could create that for you. <laughs> we should talk more about. Just side note: we should really talk more about Andy Warhol on the podcast. Generally, you think? <laughs> I feel as if he's. He's got some top flight time machine potential. Ask Andy Warhol. <laughs> Ask Andy. Hi guys, it's me, Andy Warhol. <laughs> and check out the website because I'm gonna paint some pretty pictures of soup cans. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we directed the yeah, video so Misfit and then Down to Earth came out afterwards and it it cracked up the chart. It didn't get up there quickly. And I was a bit good because they eventually got big. Oh, it got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It had eight weeks before it actually got at the top 40. So again, it was wow. looking like they weren't going to make it kind of thing. And obviously, I don't know, maybe someone at the record company went down to the chart return shops and bought a few copies up, got them in the top 40, got them on top of the pops. That sort of thing happened. Let's not pretend it didn't. Um, and it went 32, 15, 8, 5, and then four weeks at number three. Sorry, three weeks at number three. Um, but great song, great group. Um, just yeah, perfect. It's for just the time. a shame, isn't it? That um, he was best. Uh, now, should we talk about before we move on? Should we talk about Ben Volavant Parrot's hat? Yes, because it's really remiss of us. Now, mm-hmm. how they dressed is quite interesting. I had a Smash Hits of the eighties VHS tape. Mm-hmm. Which the Smash Hits got ahead of themselves because they released it in 1987 when there was still three years left of the decade. But they just couldn't wait. And it went chronologically backwards. The first song on it mm-hmm. was the video for Straight Back Down to Earth. All right. Brilliant. And actually, a friend of ours, of me and my brothers, who was their photographer, because he was just one, you know, he was a photographer who was just from around the same area. Mm. He's in the video, which delighted me when I was, what, 12, <laughs> that I could pause this video and see this lad we knew yeah. who was in the video sort of on set holding a camera. Right. Um, but 
you look at them and uh, they were dressed. It's very much 1987, kind of yuppie chic, right? Mm. They all look like next back then was almost like quite trendy, mm-hmm. right? And they're all you dressed mean it's like not in now? the clothes. <laughs> well, you know, for a man of our age, I think it's very good option. I was thinking of but, if you, you used know. it as an option, you know, a progression from Sainsbury's clothes and Asda yeah, clothes. I think, the minute. I think, I think for men like us, it's a very solid option. Yeah. If you're, if you've got a fancy thing lined up, yeah. right. But I mean, the street kids were like, mm, next, uh, because it was like introduced to the preppy style and they're all wearing like blazers, yeah. shirts done Deck up, shoes. top button. Uh, deck shoes and sort of stonewashed jeans yeah. which was a great late 80s yuppie look wasn't it would, a would, jacket a sort would, of a blazer but with jeans would uh, would the blazer pocket have a pocket square in it or have maybe, I gone too far maybe there so. maybe so all from next but this cunt's gone right I've te- yeah fine we'll fine we'll do all that yuppie stuff from next maybe we'll get a sponsorship deal out of them but I'm going to fucking mix things up because I'm the lead singer so I'm going to get a Greek fisherman's hat and I'm going to wear the cunt backwards. And that, that's what it was. People say, here yeah. on, on Wikipedia, it says he was well-known for wearing a beret. It wasn't a fucking beret. It was a very specific type of hat, which is a Greek fisherman's hat. Mm-hmm. And he wore it. Not only did he wear it, which is fucking ballsy anyway, he thought, mm. I'm going to put the cunt on backwards. I'm not my sure. Brother went on, I'm... My brother went on holiday to Greece, mm. right, that summer. What did he bring me back? Fisherman's fucking hat. Greek fisherman's hat. Mm. What did I do? I fucking turned up at school wearing it backwards. Oh, I got so God. much shit. Yeah. That was it. I wore it once, yeah. once only. I don't know what I was thinking. I just got overexcited. Yeah, that can happen. That can easily happen. Um, you say it was ballsy for him to wear the hat. I'm not sure because I think, to be honest, premature baldness will have had a lot to do mm, with this. Could have been that. Because could you never, that. ever saw him without the hat. And there's a lot of pop stars. Uh-huh. When they get into their 40s, usually, yeah. you never see them hats. without a hat. And it's, it's, it's the old curse of baldness. Uh, it really, really upsets a it's lot. It's a complete a lot of lottery as well. I mean, you look at people like Paul Weller, who's you know his his hairstyling mm-hmm. becomes a lot more iffy by the year, but it's so much of it. And if you look at like Liam Gallagher, right, or Noel Gallagher, if they went bald, they'd yeah. be fucked. Yeah. So it's a complete lottery. Look at the Stones. Mm-hmm. If they went bald, if Jagger went bald, he'd be fucked, mm. right? No one would still be turning up to see them. If Jagger, right? looked, if Jagger looked like Nobby Styles, <clears throat> nobody would go. Yeah, basically. Uh, but he'd, heard, he'd wear I, a hat. I don't know. He'd wear a hat. Have you ever have you ever read much about the Stones and how they stay so skinny? Because they're not just not fat; they are like insane I've, like I've stick got, they look like old crows I've got very little interest in the Rolling Stones because I think they're rubbish yeah they're stupid they're stupid yeah. band uh, I do like some Rolling Stones songs don't get me wrong they're like but, a lot of them yeah, it's they're, silly. they're like a lot of them where the best album is the greatest hits and that's it don't <laughs> yeah. stop pretending they've created some kind of fucking a back catalogue that needs to be found right. you know I, I can see you, I can see this has triggered you in the way that no, certain bands not, do I, yeah. there are certain bands that trigger you Andy you can't deny it and you become f- filled with rage and borderline hatred Pink Floyd I mean, like, The know, Who The Clash Queen The Pink Jam Floyd, The Who you hate the jam. I don't hate the jam. I just think they weren't you that just, good. The you, singles You don't good. like the fact that people get so overexcited about yeah, them. Yeah, well, Style Council are better. We've established that, haven't we? And also... Yeah, well, that, that's true. Style Council documentaries on Sky Art on Halloween, 31st October. <gasps> With our gentleman of honour, our human of honour, Mick Talbot. Yeah. So definitely watch that. It's going to be brilliant. 
Anyway, it's a Greek fisherman's hat, and yeah, you're right, it was premature baldness, and baldness is something that if you are a rock star, you fucking must live in absolute terror of. Mm. Because, you know, I went bald, and I've talked about it before. When I was going bald, it was it was sort of quite horrible, because you're like, mm. fucking hell, do I stick or twist here? Oh, it's really... I'm always self-conscious. And then in the end, <clears throat> you do it. But to me, my hair was not a crucial part of how I earned a living. Yeah. I mean, there was a time when I had nice hair, and it probably made people go, whoa, look at Sam Delaney's hair. Man, he's so attractive. He's got the full right. package. But then I went bald, shaved the head, and people are going, fucking hell, look at Delaney, skinhead. He looks like the the rock. <laughs> or the leader of the BNP. It doesn't matter that I'm bald financially, really. No. But if you're a rock star, it's, it's trouble. But he was quite smart, wasn't he, to put that hat on? I'll tell you this. I, I'm not applying this to all of the people in this group, but prematurely bald men, 20s and 30s, are a fucking danger. There are so many men in the 20s and Why? 30s who've done terrible things. Then you see a photograph of them and they're prematurely bald. I'll point, <gasps> I'll point it out more and more as it happens. But prematurely bald men... Well, like m- are murderers. Murderers, just anything antisocial. Prematurely bald men are carrying a <laughs> lot of fucking baggage as a result of it. So, it well, yeah. I mean, go. maybe some of the things... Maybe some of the worst things I did... The the once I felt free once it came off and I shaved it yeah. right and the balder I am I'm like I will shave now wet shave clean shave my skull yeah right and on a day when it's freshly shorn because I might do it two three times a week I feel a lot more comfortable with myself right if I've gone two days without shaving it the old insecurities start to come back. Ah. So I was probably at peak insecurity and carrying the baggage you speak of mm. around that time there you where go, then. It, I've still got the hair. Could I have killed someone in that era? Yes, maybe. But I only realise that now. Yeah. I realised that the whole time I was walking around, carefully arranging the remaining strands yeah, of my hair to cover up the bald patches, <laughs> yeah. right? Trying not to move my head one way or the other too drastically in yeah. case... The, the careful arrangement fell out of place. Yeah, I, I, I suppose I was a potential killer in that murder. phase of my life. Yeah. yeah. Well, there, there you go. I'll, I'll come back to this sporadically as and when examples appear. But prematurely bald men, 20s and 30s. Mm. <sighs> Toxic. Anyway, um, the last sighting of Ben Volavon Parrot, as far as yeah. I'm concerned, anyway, was on first dates, celebrity first dates a few years ago. Right. He turned up on that. And his date was a woman who had actually been a fan of the group um, when she was younger. And I don't think she recognised him at first. I don't think she realised who he was, even though he looks pretty much exactly the same. It's me, Ben from Curiosity Killed the Cat. I'm not wearing the hat anymore. I'm letting it all hang out. I I I think he had a different hat on. I think he's still rocking the hat, but it was a different one. But he was really, really... He he was really, really pleased with his trainers that he had on because they had flashing lights on them. And he was oh, showing them off me. to his date. And he must be about, what, 50 now? 54, maybe? Yeah. And he was uh, showing his flashing trainers off. And I'd love to read an article about them. Yeah. I'd like, I'm would like. i going to get in touch and try and interview the bastard. Yeah, we could do. Human of honour. What a story. The, you know, the, like you say, because they, they, at this point, they were, na- they were considered to be nailed on mm. as the number one pop group of the next few years. Yeah. And it didn't quite work out so... Why? 
Why and how? I've just looked. Ben's 55 now. But, uh, yeah, flashing trainers. Regardless to say there wasn't a second date. (laughs) Snubbed by one of his biggest fans. I just read that they ended up collaborating with Simon Cow. Oh, dear. Mm. That's a pity. When they were trying to relaunch their career. Well, they came back as um, curiosity. They were no longer cat killers. Mm. When they, they came That's what back. people called them anyway, really, yeah. didn't they? If you were into them, you'd yeah. say curiosity. You knew what you meant. Yeah. Yeah. Right, what else? Misfits on the street. He was a good dancer too, wasn't he? He was. Do you know what? Just quickly, I think that he foreshadowed our old friend Jamiroquai in many yeah. ways. Yeah. Because it was soul funk. Yeah. Same area as well, sort of West London, South West London. Um, Jamiroquai's from Ealing and I think they were from sort of Richmond Sheen area mm-hmm. and he did a lot of Jamiroquai style bouncing around I can see that connection he, yeah he, he liked to squat down and look into the camera and yeah he yeah. did so White Jamiroquai Soul Boy. was obviously taking notes GK. Jamiroquai would have been about probably my age so he would have been about 12 at the time yeah. sat at home eating a sausage yeah right? probably while eating, while his, his mom, eating his Saturday morning sausage well, his mum, yeah, Janet Kay, singer of Silly Games, was uh, oh. going around the house because that was his mum. I thought Janet Kay was black. Well, um, <laughs> I might have got my facts wrong. Perhaps she is. It's still possible. Yeah, it's possible. J.K. Oh, Karen Kay was his mum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Very Janet Kay is like a reggae sort of uh, lover's rock singer, isn't she? Uh, but she was a singer, I think, his mum. But anyway, she'd have been serving up his sausage. He'd have been sat there thinking, I just, I, I love music, but I can't quite work out what it is I want to do. <laughs> and then he sat on Saturday Superstore and Mike Reed and Sarah Green have going, and now coming up, here is Curiosity of the Cat. And he's gone, fucking hell, look at this bastard. He's got the lot. He's got a lovely singing voice. He's doing a, a white interpretation of pop funk music. He keeps doing all these funny dance moves where he's bounding around. And, crucially, he's got a hat. He's hiding his premature this, baldness. <laughs> this is the blueprint for I, JK. Yeah. Now all I need is a fancy name for my band. I'm going to appropriate uh, American Indian... Culture. American Indian culture. Got to wear the headdress. Right. The lot. And I'm going to simultaneously appropriate black culture, American, uh, African-American culture. I sounded like Stevie Wonder. I want to put all of this appro- cultural appropriation into one big package, <laughs> sprinkle a bit of Ben from Curiosity Killed the Cat on top, and bingo, fucking emergency on planet Earth. Top of the pops. No, Karen Kay was a former... Spunk the lot of it on fucking sports cars. Karen Kay was a former jazz singer, cabaret cabaret singer, comedian and impressionist. Impressionist? um, Yeah. Jalapeño. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. 
Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Jalapeño. This might be the sort of thing that triggers you, but I don't care because I believe in honesty. Uh, when Jamiroquai came out, I fucking loved Jamiroquai. Okay. Uh, and I know I know it's an uncool thing to admit, but I don't care. It's like, he came out, and at the time, people will deny it now, he was considered extremely cool and underground. He had a white fucking <clears throat> label out and was on the cover of the Face magazine, mm. which in those days was an extremely significant thing. Mm. And well, he hadn't even had a record deal. And everyone thought he was really cool. And I had the record. I didn't know what the cunt looked like when I first heard it. I thought when I heard um, that first one, emerg- is it Emergency on Planet Earth? I was like... No, it's not that. When are you going to learn? I thought it was a black woman singing. Right. Because that's what his, his voice sounded like. Mm. And then I saw him. And then over the years, next thing you know, he's doing a fucking theme tune for, like, Godzilla. And I thought, hang on, something, something. And then I saw mm. him get headbutted by a paparazzi while he was on the Iron Filings. <laughs> and after that, I was like, nah, I've passed it now. <laughs> but I'll admit, at the time, these bands come out and they've got a different sort of reputation to the one they eventually... Well, that's what happens, yeah. Fame changes people, doesn't it? Mm. Let's hope it never Mm. changes us some. Or if indeed, if we ever get famous. Um, We keep each other's feet on the ground. We keep each other grounded, don't we? We're like Mike and Bernie Winters, who who, uh, famously fell out with each other. Yeah. There's a great story of you heard about Mike and Bernie Winters that were on stage at a comedy theatre in Glasgow, a notoriously tough audience. And Mike, yeah. Mike Winters came out on stage and he did a song or something. And then as part of the act, Bernie Winters then stuck his head through the curtains and someone in the crowd went, oh, fuck, there's two of them. <laughs> Amazing. Um, Talking of old classic sort of uh, comedy duos, this morning before school, I took the plunge and showed Lenny the Who's On First Base routine oh, yeah. by Abbott and Costello. Yeah. Fucking spellbinding. It's one of those things I think you're aware of and sort of know Mm. by heart. I mean, you could not possibly know the whole thing by heart because it's so complicated. But I'd never actually watched all the way through. It's amazing, isn't it? Is it Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks? I I I didn't know that. I think it was. But you fucking show it to, I mean, if you show it to a hyperactive eight-year-old who literally wakes up every morning like he's on cocaine. I mean, that's what it's like dealing with an eight-year-old boy. You like, in the morning, my brain is sort of, I, I, I sort of picture it like a shriveled up dry walnut mm. in my head and it takes quite a few cups of coffee and various other things like water, maybe some exercise to get it working again. It yeah. takes a few hours. But at the exact moment he wakes up, he is like someone who has just done <laughs> a massive fucking roll Bang. of Hollywood level cocaine. <laughs> so he runs down, I go down, I shuffle down to make the tea and he's in there going, what time is it now in Australia, do you reckon? <laughs> right? Oh, oh, oh. So anyway, he does this all morning, and I'm like counting the minutes till he goes to school because I just can't handle the level of fucking cocaine chat. Mm. So this morning I thought, what can I do? So I'm fucking stuck on who's on first That's base. Sort of a, and it just, that... it, it absolutely fucking grounded him to a halt. 
It goes on for ages, so that's a bit of parenting advice there. I was, for um, anyone who's got one of these kids, you just can't stop rabbiting nonsense. It wasn't Brooks and Rainer. I'm thinking of the 2,000-year-old man sketches that they did. Oh. I was watching a thing last night um, on Sky Arts, a documentary about Buster Keaton, which was oh, really yeah. good. Um, yeah. Uh, but it was a French production. It was one of those, it was a documentary that had been revoiced by an English person. Oh. But yeah. it was the original French documentary script, and there was a couple of bits in it that were amazing that stood out. It was talking about his marriage situation and all that, and it just said um, uh, throughout his marriage, he took uh, a mistress or three. Because <laughs> that's just normal in France. Just, you know, it was French. just said as if, of course, why wouldn't he? And then another, bit, another bit, bit later on, it, it, it said, um, of course, Hollywood is an ogre that eats its own children. <laughs> and I thought you wouldn't hear that in an American documentary but you can clearly see no. the French perspective or an English of it. one yeah exactly yeah Hollywood is an ogre uh, no I children. mean yeah when you hear other languages particularly the Latin countries the way that they just their everyday chat mm. is so much more poetic yeah you see it in like the football banners at Italian football games yeah. and you go what, what's that say I used to go to my cousin what's that say ah oh, they say that we are the wolves of um, ambition mm. and we will eat and tonight we shall feast on the flesh of the Lazio dogs. Right. And I go, yeah. what? Yeah. Whatever happens to you're going to get your fucking head kicked in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. just poetic people. It is. And we, the country of Shakespeare. Yeah. You know. Morons. We're fucking morons, aren't we? I mean, you just have to listen to this podcast to know how how low the use of the English language has sunk over the generations. Well, yeah, that's another recommendation. Buster Keaton documentary on Sky Arts catch up. Very good. Uh, what else is in this chart? Anything you want to mention, Sam? Uh, well, there, so many. I mean, Almaz by Randy Crawford. Great song. What a moving song that is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Randy Crawford at... I really love it. Doesn't have to be as mm-hmm. well by Blow Monkeys. I love the Blow Monkeys, but mm-hmm. I feel that you will give me some more knowledge about them. Like uh, Doctor Robert, mm-hmm. lead singer of the Blow Monkeys. What's his story? Was this one of those bands that was effectively it was basically him, but they had a band name? No, I think what? no. There was there was a band there. I think they're still together as well. I think they're still going. Um, and he's a collaborator with many other great artists, isn't he? Like he has always done stuff with Weller and he, things yeah, like this. Yeah, he's done that, and of course he did Wait as well with Kim Mazel. A couple of right. years after this, once he'd uh, dropped a disco biscuit and had his mind altered by that. Right. Uh, so he got into Acid House for a while. But, I mean, I love the Blum from the start. Digging Your Scene was the single from the first album. Oh, what a song. Yeah. Um, when I'm Out With Her, that was another great one. And then they, this Don't was know the that one. first track from the second do, album. But do you came- know what he looks like? He's a great pop star. He looks like a sexy vampire, don't yeah. you think? Yeah, yeah. Really suave, wasn't he? Suave He's much better than Brian Ferry. Hmm. Um, right. He's suaver than fucking Brian. Well, Brian Ferry's. I, Brian Ferry's a bit of a knob, right? He is. Right. Yeah. I know we've done him, but Brian, it's Brian. One of my favourite top flight time machine episodes <laughs> ever. Brian. It's called Brian. It's Brian. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this guy's. No, I want a word said against Brian Ferry. Okay. I love his music. Mm-hmm. But all that going around in a white tuxedo with a fucking cocktail glass, I'm like, come off it, mate. Well, yeah, but it's, I think he was a working class boy, wasn't he? He was a working class boy from the, the North East and working class people always dress up when they you can. Middle, cunts, middle class and upper class people dress down 
So Ferry had obviously made his money and he wanted to enjoy the luxury. Have you seen Prince Charles? He's fucking never out of a whistle and flute. <laughs> Have you seen Prince Charles' hands? Whoa, <laughs> sausage fingers, anyway. Really? Jesus, yeah. Uh, big problems there. Um, what we're we talking about? Blow monkeys, suave, Dr. Robert. Yeah. yeah. That now, ain't. number nine is Five Star, another brilliant band. Love them. But I don't remember this song, Stay Out of My Life. Stay Out of My Life! I think this must have been the beginning of the end for them probably. Mm. This will have been a single from an album 87. It was kind of all over by 86, wasn't it? I can look because System I'm looking Addict at the, uh, is a fucking... I mean, their, uh, their first album, I bought Sil- that album. Silk and Steel, which had like Silk seven singles off it or something. Silk and Steel, that's the way I feel. Because uh, that was actually just a lyric from Rain or Shine, wasn't it? What yeah. a lovely song. It's a shame they didn't work out. And then at number 10, another one of my favourite songs, and another white soul band, Level 42, yeah. who, if you came to any of our live shows, I'll tell you, we were. Andy said, let's do a playlist for songs to play while people are sitting in the audience waiting for us to come on stage. And I was like, oh, okay. He said, send me over some songs. And then, all of a sudden, one night, it struck him, and he sent me a text just going, fuck that, we'll just play Level 42. <laughs> and I was like, of course. <laughs> Why would we bother making a place where you just played Level 42? So if you came to see us at any of our sellout live shows, our, our extravaganza live shows, you'll know that we're big Level 42 fans. Got there Running the Family feels like quite a late-era single, though, doesn't it? Again, yeah, that was that, that was probably their peak. They probably began to tail off a bit after that. I'm looking at number 14, mm. Coming Around Again by Carly Simon. What a song that is. Oh, yeah. What a song that is. I love Carly Simon. I'm going to listen to that later. Yeah, that's just what I've been thinking as well. I can hear it in my head and I'm like, I need to hear all of that very, very yeah. soon. Uh, of course, got- Eric Clapton had an album out at this time, I think, where, that sold quite well and he made a bit of a sort of a comeback Well, it was produced thing, by Phil... I wasn't really it, interested. It was produced by Phil Collins. Oh, so he, yeah. He had oh, that, God. that cachet of sort of working with Phil Collins that gave him a bit Phil of a boost. Phil Collins. I didn't realise I read his book and I've talked about his book so much on this podcast, so I'll try not to get into it again. Just know, read that book. But he, I didn't realise that he in the 80s, I mean, he was a workaholic yeah. because aside from him releasing so many hit singles and albums himself and as Genesis, he was fucking the like world's number one most sought after producer. Yeah. They were like everyone who wanted to have a big album, they were begging Phil Collins. And he that's why his, his marriages kept breaking down because he, he wouldn't say no to anyone. Yeah. But he had a magic touch. If he produced your album, bang, well, that, that was it. It, it was going Cla- to be a number one. had done nothing for fucking years. I mean, Clapton shouldn't have been allowed here because he was a fucking colossal racist um, yeah. in the 70s. But whatever. Um, wank Me Off is there at number 19. I <laughs> know, oh, it was Suck Me Off, wasn't it? Hey, you with a sad no, face, come said, up to my place and suck me off. me off. Did I say Wank Me Off? It's got to be, it's Suck Me Off, I'm sure. I'll check with Harry Flowers uh, either, on Twitter. Either's fine. Either side. In fact, I'm not sure which I'd prefer. I'm sure the, the the Flowers version is suck me off. If I've said wank me off last week, I'm very sorry. I got that wrong. Mm. Um, what Jack else? Jack your body. What? Jack, Jack your, body. your body. Yeah. That was a game changer, wasn't it? That was a song that got a number one just on the back of it being played in nightclubs because that wasn't on Radio 1. Yeah, that well, this was the no, beginning of the rave era, yeah, wasn't it? No I mean, conventional promotion on on the, the mass media. Th- there's that great. You'd have seen that documentary by what's his name about rave, the artist. 
um, oh, fucking a famous artist, and he did uh, uh, Everybody in the Place, An Incomplete History of Rave. That was it, I think. Is that it? Anyway, it, fo- it shows some great archive footage, right, mm. of... It's, it's this artist whose name escapes me, but he's very famous. Yeah, Jeremy Della. And he goes into this school and he explains to them, to this class of children, you know, how mm. rave suddenly emerged in this era and how it changed the cultural landscape and even society a little bit. And I was like, when I heard the premise, I thought, oh, fuck off, right? Mm. But very convincing and brilliantly quite unpretentious in the way he lines his thesis out. But one thing I like is, it, and it's focused on almost this exact moment, 87, where club culture changed from, he had clips of like, you know, the the Hitman and Her, yeah, right? With yeah. fucking what's his name in, in like these provincial nightclubs where everyone was wearing suits and drinking beer. And every single bloke in the club looked a little bit like Mickey Pierce from Only Fools. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and all the girls had like bubble perms and white stilettos, and it was all about getting quite pissed, yeah, and dancing to pop hits. And then suddenly, as you can see in this chart, songs that were more from like rave culture started dripping yeah. through. Yeah. Anyway, I haven't really done that justice, but it's well worth. I'm, watching. I'm not a fan of Jeremy Deller. I think there's something not, not right there. I don't, I don't think. Do you think I, he might be prematurely? I don't think there's in. a lot of substance there in any of the stuff that he does. I've never been blown right. away by anything he's done. And I'm not really familiar well, with his work. Plus, as well, he did that thing, Acid Brass, where he did he did he got brass bands to play some of the Acid House classics, probably in about nineteen ninety nine or something like that. And it, yeah. it sort of preempted all those things where people now go to fields and listen to orchestras doing club hits, the Beatha orchestral or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I cannot it was be the precursor with that of all shit. that. So. Yeah, fuck that, really. But you know, some people like it. Yeah, um, cunts. Yeah, so let let them go, <laughs> let them do it, mate. Let them have their fun. Yeah, it's the ninety-seven percent in it. Right, we we're nearly done. Anything else that stands out there you want to talk about? I think I've there, well, the talk, talking of, of cunts. I probably mentioned it last week, but the Smith Shoplifters of the World yeah. Unite. Don't care, really like that song. Brilliant Don't care song. if Morrissey's become a fucking cock. It's one. It is one of my favourite Smith singles. Um, so that's good. Uh, Magic Smile by Rosie Vela's really good. That was produced by the fellas yeah. from Steely Dan. Um, and now, Rat in Me Kitchen. Rat in Me Kitchen, UB40. Mm. There's a Rat in Me Kitchen. Story. What am I going to do? Quick I'm story. Fix that my, my... Who was it now? My cousin's wife was um, approached by someone with the same surname on Facebook. And she thought, is this a distant relative? But it turned out he wasn't. He was one of these guys who went on Facebook. Just like we've been talking about Andy Dawson's and all the different Andy Dawson's there are in the world. And he had done a thing where he'd just been looking for other people with the same surname and trying to friend them all on Facebook. Weird. Right? Yeah. Yeah, weird. So they... But my cousin and his wife, their curiosity was pricked by it, right? Mm. So they friended him and then became obsessed with him Mm -hmm. because they thought, interesting, what's going on with this guy? Why is he doing it? Maybe he's like one of these family archivists or something. Yeah. On his Facebook and every other social media outlet. He lived in America. He had the same surname as them. But all he was interested in, the only thing he ever posted about was UB40, (laughs) right? (laughs) 
And they became obsessed with his feeds because he put so much time every day. He was an adult. Mm. I think he was a family man. But he spent so much time every day just posting about UB40, or as he called them, the 40, right? (laughs) And his trait on social media was to write yash instead of yes. Y-A-S-H. Yash! Which was supposed to denote excitement. And every day, he lived in some place in America, not one of the most famous cities. He was doing a countdown to the 40 coming and playing in his town, which was something that he'd dreamt of his whole life, right? And he was like, and every day the update would say something like, Yash! Just 80 more days until I'm (laughs) sipping on that sweet red, red wine. And then the next day it'd be like, old cherry old baby, just 79 days till the party rock up. I cannot wait. 54 days and they started to get, in the kitchen. So they've traced this, like, quite weird. But I could see myself becoming really fascinated by this. Yeah. Every day they're looking at his updates. And he's like, yes, yes. And the yashes are getting longer with more A's as he gets closer. Mm. And they're like, fucking hell, we're worried now. Because when the day arrives that the 40 finally mm. turn up and play, what is going to happen the day a, after? He's going to do a massive spunk up on the day, isn't he? It's not going to be yash. <laughs> the next day it's going to be no sh. Yeah. Because where does his, his whole life had built up to this moment. Sure enough, the day arrives, he's gone into overdrive. The yash by now has like 100 A's in it. Mm. Today's the day. At last, the rat enters my kitchen, <laughs> as you say. Is it like and, those um, lads who went to our shows and just went out in the afternoon and got too shit-faced and didn't see anything? I don't remember any Oh, of they ruined it. They got too pissed and then they went mental and got I, thrown out before well, the show had started. various venues, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Sort of reflects on us that they feel the only way they can really enjoy it is to be paralytic drunk. <laughs> anyway, back to UB40. Well, the day after the show was played, he disappeared. That was it. No, no more posts. No more posts. Fuck. I think he just it. It's like how you feel on Christmas, mate. Once Boxing Day's out of the way, particularly your kids, but I'm still like it myself. You're like. Fuck, we've spent so long building up to this and now it's gone. That's why we have boxing, dear, because it staggers the come down. I know, but then how do you feel on 27th? By the 28th, I'm rock bottom. Well, 28th is my daughter's birthday. So well, that's, that's something. That's, that's, that's that. lucky. And then the 31st is my son's birthday. It's all going on. It's a week of festivities, mm. mate. So you don't really get the post-Christmas blues? Nah, I don't get any fucking peace either. Have you ever experienced the post UB40 blues. I don't even know what that's like. <laughs> well, this fucking Jesus. guy does, and we don't know where he is now. So, oh, if he is, you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Shit. That's that's uh, quite that's a solemn sweet. note. Red, red wine. To end this episode. Somber note to end this week's well, episode. There you go. Yeah. Be kind to each yes! other. Yes! <laughs> Be kind to each other. Look after yourselves. Don't get too excited. Um yeah we'll have a new chart in a couple of weeks hopefully until Uh, then yeah fuck off just keep it cunty Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. 
But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.